Welcome to the Content 10X Podcast, the show where content creators learn how to harness the power of content repurposing. And now, your host, Amy Woods. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Content 10X Podcast. This week I have a fantastic guest on the podcast as we talk about search engine optimization and how content repurposing and search engine optimization are quite quite closely linked. So today I'm speaking to Andy Prestadina. He is a co-founder and strategic director of Orbit Media, a web design company in Chicago, top-rated speaker, writer for many big blogs, an author of uh, the Content Chemistry book, which I have right on my desk right now. So, Andy, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Amy. Thanks for having me. Um, what did I miss from that intro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a great intro. That's, uh, I, I'm a 18 years of experience in analytics and SEO and 10 years in content strategy and blogging and um, this type of marketing that we all love. Uh, so yeah, there's been lots of live events and, and speaking and teaching and, uh, to groups and in person. Um, but, uh, you and I are both fans of this format, which is as close to live as you can get, uh, you know, we sort of a real time conversation. So I'm excited. Yeah. Thank you for being on. So well, I actually, um, went to see you speak at social media marketing world last year in mm. 2017. I really, really love the presentation that you gave. I made a really specific point of making sure that I saw you again this year in March. Um, it was really great. And the, some of the things that you said, there's these big conferences, you know, you go to so many talks and at the end kind of reflect on the things that you had the most impact and what you remember the most. And for me, both times, I really enjoyed the presentation that you gave. And I actually arrived back and spoke to my team about all the notes that I made and the things that you said and how we needed to change our website and things like that. So just wanted to say thank you because um, it was great to meet you out there and it was really great to see your presentations as well. Oh, that's so nice to hear. We work so hard on our presentations, everyone who presents at that event. And um, uh, yeah, people like that one. I don't know how relevant that is to uh, the repurposing topic, which I love so much. I'm excited to to uh, jump into uh, this topic. But yeah, that last one was about web design and uh, conversion optimization and messaging priority and calls to action and all the dozens of little things that combine to turn someone into a lead or uh, cause them to, to leave. So um, I, I love that topic, of course. Um, but the focus of your podcast is great. I love the idea that we're going to be talking just about repurposing in search because uh, I can absolutely see how these have strong overlap and this uh, should lead to some great tips for your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we spoke briefly before we hit the record button, I was explaining that I often say to my audience that search engine optimization is a huge, huge benefit of repurposing your content. But I've never really gone into an awful lot of detail into what we actually mean by by that so firstly I guess a good starting point would be could you just explain how search engine optimization works sure so I like to keep it very simple because for a lot of people it just seems overly complex and confusing but there's really two main factors in whether or not a web page ranks and we're talking about web pages of course not websites Google doesn't rank websites they rank web pages and Websites have never ranked. It's only pages that do. Um, but whether or not a page ranks is mostly a factor of, first, 
does it have sufficient credibility within the search engine to be considered in a useful page on the topic? So that's a, that's a question of trust and authority, which comes from other sites linking to your site or other pages linking to your page. Uh, and if a site doesn't have sufficient authority for its pages to rank, then uh, there isn't any chance that it will rank. So one of the things that we'll be touching on here is the ways in which repurposing can lead to mentions and be useful in outreach and lead to links and authority. The other factor in search is relevance. So authority and relevance. Relevance is simply the part of SEO that most people do sort of intuitively understand, which is using key phrases on pages. So including your target key phrase in the title, in the header, in the body text. This also way, uh, ways to use the related phrases, which are very useful these days, thinking more about semantics than about a specific word or phrase. So you want to, it's very, very useful to incorporate all the closely related phrases and subtopics when you create a great page, optimize it for search. Um, but mostly that's what we're talking about in search is, is uh, authority as in links and relevance as in keywords. And uh, with that in mind, it's very difficult for a page to rank if it's just kind of sitting alone on an island. And where repurposing can be useful is to help that not be an island, but be a little continent <laughs> and to have a family of things around it that support it, uh, because uh, that's really what's necessary in search. Uh, internal linking, um, getting mentions offsite, um, outreach to influencers or blogger relations, um, you know, close, you know, little hubs of interconnected content. Um, and to do that, we're not making solo, independent, lonely little islands. We're going to make something, but then keep repurposing it to build up um, more, more credibility, more relevance, and internal linking um, than we would have had otherwise. So when you, when you talk about the um, authority to start with, so linking, having all these links that lead back to your content. So um, how does it work if the link is something that you have placed on your own social media? So say, for example, you put links to a great blog post that you've just done on your Facebook or your Twitter. Does that count as relevant links that would build authority? It does not. No. So if I make an article on a topic and the article is keyword focused, so I've done my job on relevance, now for that article to also be rank worthy, it needs authority. But links from social media websites for a special reason are not evidence to a search engine that that page is credible. Uh, links from social media websites don't really count. Um, for a somewhat technical reason, that's not as important, but it does make sense because if that helped, if just you know getting a link from Facebook helped you rank in Google, then everyone would just spam Facebook and Google search results would be terrible. So it would ruin both Facebook and Google <laughs> if that worked. <laughs> So it's, um, there's much more to it than that. Uh, a link from a social media website to your site can have a, an indirect benefit in SEO because uh, if, you know, 1% of people create content, 99% of people consume it. So if some of that 1% of people see the article in Facebook and link and click and look at the article and found it useful and liked it so much that they include it and mention it and link to it from their content. That's the real connection between social media and SEO. Social yeah. media can make content more visible. Some percentage of people who see it are content creators. Some percentage of those people might link to you. And those links 
are, have a causal relationship with rankings. Um, but the link itself in Facebook or Twitter doesn't help. No, it's, it's a good way of putting, yeah, I guess, getting traffic to come to your website, but it's not going to mm-hmm. actually help you um, mm-hmm. with the SEO ranking. So what would you say are some of the great ways that you could try to get quality backlinks to your content to build authority? Mm-hmm. Well, if you write an article that's a, a how-to piece, which is important for search because the types of things that perform well in search tend to be the types of things that answer questions, like how to do something or step-by-step processes or detailed things, best practices type things. Um, that's what people tend to search for. So if, you're, if you wrote something that answers a how-to question, uh, you can repurpose it to write the how not to article, the the worst practice, the mistakes article, uh, it kind of repurposing that thing to create its evil twin, <laughs> like <Okay>. the article, <laughs> yeah, and then that piece, which is basically just an alternate version of your of your original, uh, makes an excellent pitch to a another blogger or a media website or um, you know a, a, a trade publication. And if you build relationships with those editors and they liked your pitch and the piece. Uh, and they publish it, it's very natural for that to somewhere in the article link back to your original. So you repurposed your article, gave it a different angle, combined it with a relationship with editors, and hopefully you've been building those over time because the cold email doesn't work very well, and they publish it, it's going to link back to your site in the author bio if nowhere else. It may link back to your site in the content, or the body text, which is even better. And so that's a way that you can repurpose to improve your pitches, uh, to um, ultimately build links and authority and improve the likelihood that pages on your domain will rank. I see. So it's really good to try and get featured on the, the sites that have lots of traffic, lots of credibility um, and guest posts and really just look at ways that you can put a different spin on an existing article. Um, so. That's a really good question I wanted to ask you, actually, which is that you talked about just looking at your content from a different angle and, and working out how you can spin it differently. Um, can you put the same article out there? There's, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, penalisation by Google, and I've had some people on the show say that's a complete myth and there's no such thing as getting mm-hmm. penalised by Google. Now, I'm sure some places when you submit your articles there's just very set guidelines it cannot have been appeared anywhere else other than on our site but for places mm-hmm. that don't um can you put the article what's your view on what you could do with literally you know putting the same article somewhere else mm-hmm. yeah i know that there's a lot of people who still believe it but uh i would ask them to produce the evidence or the studies that show this i mean a huge percentage of content on the internet is duplicate anyway something like 30 to 40% of the internet is duplicate content, which is normal. And search engines have dealt with since the beginning of search engines. But there are still people who believe and are afraid of something called a duplicate content penalty. Um, I think it's an easy thing to just sort of be afraid of without digging deeper and trying to understand what a search engine really is doing. Um, so, no, of course it's fine to take an article that you that you publish somewhere and copy and paste it verbatim into another place. Uh, that doesn't mean that Google will suddenly dislike both of these articles, both of these URLs, or that now the original won't rank anymore. Google is simply trying to find the best page on the internet for any topic. That's their obsession. So just because if it was true that that because there's two versions now, neither will rank, then a competitor could just copy and paste one of your articles 
somewhere else and hurt your rankings. And then negative SEO would be a thing, which it, it, it's so if you think through it a little bit farther, you'll quickly realize that there aren't really, there's extremely rare examples of such a duplicate content penalty. What we're talking about in this example basically is called syndication, which is an excellent tactic. And there's places that are meant for this. Medium.com makes it extremely simple for you to syndicate your content. Would encourage you to, re, there's a button that helps you yeah. move your content over and publish it in Medium. <laughs> they love that and readers love that and you're putting your work in front of a bigger audience. LinkedIn is the other. It's a great format for this. Copy and paste a high value piece into LinkedIn Publisher and it grabs the images. And so it's a little bit, my, my problem with it is not that it's risky, but that it's lazy. If you're not necessarily adapting, I mean, content works because of the audience and the angle. The audience on those places isn't necessarily the same audience. So things that go on LinkedIn should be relevant to a broader audience usually, or I mean, it should if and if you think that the, the you have a lot of overlap, it might be worthwhile to edit the piece or rewrite it a bit or give it a new headline or images. Um, the reason why a publication and I totally relate, uh, we accept guest posts, and I don't want someone to run something on my site that already was, you know, seen by a lot of people. Um, it reduces the quality of the publication to just, you know spin or repurpose, you know, just republish everyone else's stuff. You'd rather have something original, of course. But um, uh, so for that reason, I mean, there's a there's, you know, digital PR and blogger relations and influencer marketing should be totally focused on quality. Uh, originality is important. It's not a thing for search, but it's um, it's still there's still good reasons to adapt your content and, and improve it and customize it for an audience. But for Medium and LinkedIn, go right ahead, syndicate. There's no harm and potentially good benefits. No, I agree. We often do that with our articles just for Medium and LinkedIn, but I completely agree with you that you have to think about the platform, think about why people are there, and think about it's not just just regurgitating what you've already created for somewhere else. It's about how can you adapt and adjust it for the new platform that you want to place mm-hmm. it on and the reason that people are there and the kind of content that they're going to want to look for, um, whether it's short or long, whether it's entertaining, whether you need to turn it to be, you know, add a bit more humour to it, whether you need to add some video content to it or whatever you need to do. Um, you can take that idea, can't you? But you do need to respect the platform and, and, and why you're there. Um, but when we were talking earlier about social media and obviously what you said, it makes complete sense that links on social media don't um, give you that authority in the SEO world. That makes sense. What about Medium? Um, I assume it's the same um, answer that that links back to your site from Medium. Is that classed as social media as well? Uh, I wouldn't expect to get any SEO benefit from a link within a piece that was just syndicated. There's sort of an inverse relationship between the reward and the effort. So, or a an inverse relationship, a direct relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> if it's easy, it's probably not effective. Uh, so it, there's ways that platforms can tag links to to devalue the search, the SEO benefits. It's called like no follow. Yeah. So whether those links are no followed or not, I'm not sure. But um, you're, you don't really have a good SEO strategy if your plan is just to get a link from Medium by copying and pasting your, your article there. On the other hand, here's an example of a really high effort, but high value way. If you turn that piece that you created into a visual format, which Amy, I know you love, (laughs) um, 
The infographic version of that how-to article can be part of an amazing pitch to many publications. And I know SEO companies that are just totally based on this idea of creating visual content, doing excellent outreach, and getting those visuals, basically infographics, placed on lots of media sites. And they measure the success of each of these repurposing exercises and its value in links and and um, and uh, authority. So you look at their portfolio. Yeah, we we made this visual for this company and it got 43 links from high authority websites. And that's that's one of the very common SEO tactics now, which is just to combine uh, infographics and outreach. And are they are they testing this where they're putting similar content out there without visuals and then creating the engaging visual and looking at the the difference that it makes with the engaging visual? I don't think they're looking at at uh, a version with and without. Mm-hmm. They're simply taking credit for all of the authority and mentions of that visual because that client didn't even have that visual prior to the engagement. I so, see. So if if uh, if I hire if you were doing that and I hired you and you made you took one of my how to articles and made you know an amazing infographic version of it and then you did the outreach to fifty editors and ten of them accepted it and featured it in their content and the content included links back to my piece, you would just report back saying, we what, we got these 10 links from these 10 sites with this level of authority. Had I not engaged you for that, I would have gotten nothing. Yeah, that's a, it's a great example of repurposing, isn't it? Because it's changing mm-hmm. the format from written to visual mm-hmm. and then managing to go out there and get all of those links and all of that authority from that amazing visual content. Um, that's really interesting, thank you. Um, a question that I wanted to ask you is, um, we're talking all about, uh, you know, you started off talking about websites and actually that it's web pages that rank, not a website. And we've been talking about, obviously, content marketing and blog posts and articles and things like that. How important is it to um, have a consistent strategy in terms of what SEO is looking at for um, seeing that you're being new and fresh on a regular basis on your on your own website. I, I have a friend who's become sort of a YouTube celebrity, and she makes a strong case that YouTube likes it when the YouTube channel has a steady stream of things that get a lot of engagement. But going back to how Google itself works, very different platform, um, much less of a social platform, not as much of a visual platform. Google's really just trying to find that amazing page. So if you search for SEO basics, it wants to show you the SEO basics articles that are the best at satisfying that visitor's information needs. So the fact that, you know, if I write an article about SEO basics and so do and, and someone else does as well, uh, if I publish weekly and they publish monthly, does that affect how Google perceives the quality of our respective SEO basics articles? I don't think so. I think that there's good things about being consistent. It has uh, uh, social media algorithms and social followers. There's lots of um, lots of benefits there. But in search, it really is more about quality than quantity. It's more about depth of of content than the consistency. So. Again, if you're Google and you want to find the best page on the internet for SEO basics, you're going to be looking for a piece that when visitors click and land on it, they stay a while, a piece that has all the related subtopics covered, 
a piece that answers every related question to SEO basics, a piece that includes words like tutorial and beginners and fundamentals and best practices. So we we might you might write um, much you know, I might write much more than you, but if your piece uh, has 2,500 words and covers the the topic like in a depth like a Wikipedia level depth, uh, you will beat me in search all day long. I don't think that it's that consistency or or uh, quantity is nearly as important as just making the best page on the internet for that topic. Yeah, it makes sense. We were doing some research today and looking at some keywords around repurposing content, and some of the web pages that were being, you know, that we were seeing on the first page and way at the top were actually really quite old. So um, there's this article that just kept coming up every time I was searching for different variations mm -hmm. of it. I think we were looking at video video repurposing keywords and um it was from about two or three years ago but it just mm -hmm. kept showing again and again and it was quite clear you know exactly what you just said that it was it was a really in-depth article i guess they'd done a really good job of um play the placements of the keywords but yet it added a lot of value and i guess there must have been loads of quality backlinks to this article as well and it just it was it was quite out of date actually though I mean like when you looked at it it I guess the quality was starting to diminish because it was referencing things that were now a little bit out of date you know certain rules that had changed on platforms and things like that but it still was ranking really high I guess that's why isn't it about everything that you just said yeah the um the the recency though is another factor beyond consistency and frequency just how old the thing is, uh, is I think actually a big factor in certain neighborhoods. Uh, anything that's like a news related topic, um, uh, will just get smushed because there's going to be lots of new stuff that comes out and it's harder to create durable ranking in niches where there's lots and lots of new, new information coming out. So like, um, I mean, if you ranked two months ago for any GDPR related phrases, you do not rank it anymore because there's a million articles have come out on that topic since then. So the durability of a ranking, I think, is partly a function of how much new content comes out on that topic. It's also a function of whether or not uh, the information in that niche changes is changing fast. Um, but there are people I know who, maybe not for ranking, but for click-through rate, will go update their content to put in the current year so SEO best practices for 2018. Um, but uh, it's an interesting question. I think it varies in by neighborhood or by keyword family. Uh, but uh, it's sometimes I think it matters much more than others. If your content strategy is to publish evergreen content, I recommend, and some readers hate this advice, uh, removing the dates from your blog. Because if your content doesn't really get old, uh, the date is mostly just making it look dated to your visitors, increasing the chance that they'll bounce um, so if news is not part of your content strategy, you might get better results by taking the date out of your blog template. You can still put the date into the headline or the body text, but um, uh, it, it, you don't really want to age your content if it's something that doesn't really go out of style. Yeah, we recommend that with our clients as well. Sometimes when we work with them on repurposing, uh, we write articles and they write a few versions and one will be you know, more relevant and we'll have more current affairs and things like that because it's right in the moment but then we'll create another version that is completely evergreen um, 
and that will stand the test of time basically so um completely agree with you on that <laughs> um, mm-hmm. something that um i wanted to ask you is that i've heard somebody i can't remember i think we, i was at a conference recently and i was talking to somebody and they were saying to me um this was a social media marketer so this is why they said this so they said okay search engine optimization seo um it's it's dead because you can spend loads and loads and loads of time and money trying to rank to be on the top page on google and then um a few days later you know you spend all that time and money and you're not anymore whereas if you advertise on social media and folks on social media going to have more chance of people coming over to your site from social media instead so this was somebody who mm. had a clear interest in saying that because he sold social media mm-hmm. marketing but uh, what something that i found really interesting when i read your book was that um a lead that comes from a social search is going to be a more much kind of warmer lead and more likely to convert i guess than somebody who's found you from um social it's mm-hmm. that and it makes sense because obviously they're more targeted. They actually hunted you down rather than got a little bit distracted on social and came over and, you know, mm-hmm. just looked and maybe went off somewhere else. Um, but what do you think about that? You know, the people who are saying, I put more effort into social media because SEO is it's too much hassle and it's not, there's no longevity <laughs> to it. <laughs> right. Well, there's two parts to the two ways to answer. One is the idea of organic versus the idea of uh, paid. And so, and search has organic and paid, and social has organic and paid. Uh, anyone who recommends paid uh, is absolutely right that it's faster, but they're absolutely wrong that it's durable, because paid ads disappear as soon as you stop paying. But organic visibility in either search or social is much more durable because you built up a following or you built up your rankings, and those things you don't have to keep paying to to last. So content marketing is is slow but durable. Paid advertising is fast but temporary. The difference, though, you're almost more interesting to me, is the difference between social visitors and search visitors. It's the difference between a mouse and a keyboard or a piece of glass and a keyboard because a visitor in, from, from search has intent. They want something. They just typed it in. A visitor from social media doesn't have, almost never has very strong intent. They're in social media because they're bored their fingers on a piece of glass. Uh, they're just looking, you know, they're, they're looking at friends and distractions and interruptions. So here's a way to think about the differences. Visitors from search have much higher conversion rates, typically, in every analytics account I've seen. Um, visitors from social media, um, you have to be a little bit unexpected to catch them. Visitors from search, you need to meet their expectations. Totally opposite. Visitors from social, you know a lot about who they are, Social sites give us so much data, but you don't know anything about what they're thinking. In search, you know nothing about who they are, but you know everything about what they're thinking. They just typed it in. Visitors in social are bored. Visitors in search are busy. They're, they're sort of opposites. So for some businesses, no one's searching for that. So you, you don't have an option to use SEO. Like if you're an inventor, you created something new, no one's looking for it. No one ever heard of this thing. You can use social media for discovery, but you have you, you don't have a primary key phrase or a, a buyer-related key phrase in search. Um, you can still create content and rank for all the related phrases to your invention, but they're very, very different. And after a while, you can kind of look at a keyword or a topic 
or a business and know immediately if they have a bigger opportunity in social or in search. Um, it's sort of one of the skills you develop in content strategy is to understand that you know, this is going to perform well or poorly in a given channel. Um, it's another case for repurposing because what works in search? Long, detailed, how-to, in-depth, text-based articles. What works great in social? Collaborative, visual you know, content with people in it and influencers and you know, animations and visual. You know. So um, it's another case for repurposing is if um, uh, you have a, a visual piece you, that's performing in social, you can sometimes repurpose it to work well in search. Um, or you have a long, in-depth text-based piece working in search, you can maybe repurpose that into a visual that, you know, with a more provocative headline might work in social. Yeah, we, we love to work with, you know, really long, uh, detailed pieces because then there's so much we can do to create visual content and, you know, even short, engaging videos, animations, things like that. And like you said, they're going to go perfectly on social, but the, the longer piece is going to hopefully do really well on search. So it spans both of them, doesn't it, which is perfect. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about, um, so we've spoken a lot about written content, but right now we're on a, a podcast, so audio content. So what would you recommend for people who have podcasts that are looking at trying to improve their search, you know, their ability to get found in search when they have a podcast? Well, the if the podcast is just published through the you know Spreaker, or Libsyn, or something, then there isn't necessarily a URL for it. So you don't have really any chance in search unless, like we said, it's web pages that rank. You have to make a page for each episode, and that page, uh, its chance of ranking would have to do with its relevance in the normal places, title, header, body text. So if your podcast has a page for each episode. And if that page has a keyword-focused title and header and body text, if there's a little blog post that goes with it or show notes, uh, then there's a chance that that page, doesn't matter that it it also has an audio clip or a podcast within it, but there's a chance that that page would rank in search. Uh, But when you're repurposing, there's a fun trick for podcast uh, producers, and that is, uh, I learned this from non-marketing podcasts, but uh, this is a show I listen to. It's nonfiction, um, really engaging. And each, each episode, the host says, there's an original illustration from this story. And if you'd like to see that, come back to our website and take a look. <laughs> so the call to action to come to go back to the website to find a visual, like you mentioned earlier, like the periodic table of content. It's a fun little infographic I made years ago. Right now, we can just inform listeners. If you'd like to see the periodic table of content, Go to the show page for Content X and you'll find it there. So I think visuals make a good call to action during the stream within a podcast to trigger that visitor to look back down at their phone and go and look for the site and find it and you know, become a visitor. The problem with podcasts is that it's so agnostic to devices and people, your, your listeners are just everywhere. They're almost impossible to track. Yeah. So uh, how do you get people to visit the website from a podcast? You can sometimes use a visual CTA. What was the name of the podcast that you listened to with the original illustration? It's called Criminal. The host is Phoebe Judge. It's a story about crimes. It's like a crime show. And it's very compelling. Sometimes she'll talk about a crime from the 1800s and say, you know, to see a picture, a photo, you know, we have a photograph 
of this, you know, of the killer on our website. And you want to see it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Have you been compelled that? Has it, have, you, have you made a point of going over and looking at these illustrations and pictures mm-hmm. and things like that? Yeah. So yeah. make a diagram or, or look, never miss a chance to miss or to mention a, uh, a diagram or visual or infographic or illustration or chart or graph or photo that relates to the podcast. And then remind the visitor, the listener, that uh, they can find that on the page with the show notes. Um, that that uh, you know, if if they see it and like it and mention it somewhere else, that could have an SEO benefit. Yeah, it's just it's a bit more intriguing, isn't it? Because a lot of podcast people say, you know, all the links to today's show are in the, in the show notes. Head on over there, and they'll tell you the URL. But mm-hmm. links to things mentioned is not as interesting as go and have a look at an illustration or go and have you know or an infographic or something that's a little bit more um it's just a bit more interesting isn't it than uh, some links and some show notes so that's a i'm going to go and check that out that's Sunday. <laughs> you know we work with a few quite a few podcasters because obviously trying to get found um, and expand their reach is really important to them so we work on you know show notes and animations and things like that and we would try and span both, try and help them get found in search and try and help them get, get engagement and community on social as well, which mm-hmm. you can do from, you know, one podcast episode. Um, video, so you already mentioned earlier about YouTube and um, them, them being more likely to re- reward frequency of content. So for video creators, um I guess, is there any additional tips or advice you would offer for being able to expand search reach when you primarily create content that's video? Well, a lot of the benefits are indirect. If you publish video on YouTube and make it keyword focused and YouTube likes your channel and likes your video, then you can be discovered from search within YouTube, which isn't website traffic. So you're sort of building on rented land. Um, but it can be very effective. And there are phrases that I, where a, a YouTube video I created ranks within Google search results. And suddenly it has hundreds of thousands of views, which is, has marketing benefits. That's nice. Um, video is sort of the ultimate upgrade to content on your site. Uh, so if you create video that supports the article or a video version of that article and you put it on your page, on the article page, then it creates, uh, it increases the likelihood that a visitor from search, if it, if the page also ranks and it has a video, you give yourself an SEO benefit be, um, because visitors who come from search and land on the page and see the video are more likely to stay on the page for longer. This is the third uh, factor in SEO. I know I mentioned authority and relevance, but the, the third is user interaction signals. So if a visitor searches for a phrase, clicks on your page, and stays on the page for several long minutes, Google's more likely to see that as a quality page. If the person searches, clicks, lands, and then leaves very quickly, that's evidence to Google that it's not a great page. So if a page is ranking and you want it to keep ranking, um, it's probably a good idea to make a video version of that same page, put it near the top, and it can create longer you know, they call it uh, average session duration in analytics or longer dwell time is what the SEOs call it, uh, because you're trying to reduce the, the short click. And so 
that user interactions, that's one of the ways in which video can really impact SEO is to uh, create the long click, create long dwell time, and send a positive user interaction signal. Um, but other than that, I mean, any video that's collaborative, you could make use it as a networking benefit to build relationships with other bloggers or people who might link to you. It's uh, it's just a very powerful format in general. Yeah, so and it, it, I guess from what you've said, it's really important to think about the position of the video on your on your page, trying to have it high up at the top, not just kind of have it as an afterthought at the bottom then of the page because it's going to hopefully mean that people will stay on the page longer. Um, mm-hmm. are, there, are there any um, kind of fun examples that you've tried playing with yourself or with your clients for repurposing um, video onto social? Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in this new approach that I've been playing with this year where you make a, <laughs> it's a, it's work and it's hard and it, and you know, the people who do the most work tend to get the best results as long as they work smart. Um, don't just make, don't just share your article on social media, but make a tiny commercial of you pitching your article, give it captions. I use Camtasia and post that video on social media. It takes me 15 or 20 minutes at least to make one of these one minute videos introducing my article to the world, whatever, to to whoever. But the results I get from that are literally 10x, right? Or sometimes 100x. Is the theory is like put in 10 times as much work and you might get 100 times the results. So I'm spending 20 minutes on a single social media post. But that these posts, especially in LinkedIn, they're really getting pushed to the top of social streams. Because social media sites love when we make video. The algorithms are favoring this content, pushing it to all kinds of people, social streams, holding it high at the top. But yeah, I think the one-minute video commercial for your content, especially if it includes captions, because you need that for stopping power in the social sites, uh, is one of the best ways I know right now on um, uh, content promotion tactics. So are you putting the short uh, promo for your content um, it's a completely separate standalone post to the content itself. That's right. I'm yeah. making a one-minute video promoting the article, uploading the video to LinkedIn, writing a short description of the article, putting the link to the article in the LinkedIn post, okay. and um, do everything else that goes with social media, right? It, like mention anyone who's in the article and um, maybe add a hashtag and you know a good call to action, start it with a question. Uh, I can show you examples or give you a how-to one on this. I've written an article about how to make social media videos. They're unbelievably effective so far. It's I think we live in a golden era right now for social video. It's not yet too crowded, so this is a big opportunity. Yeah, that's absolutely um, brilliant idea. I love it. Yeah, so I'll look at some examples. Do you ever do live videos as well? I don't, but uh, I love the idea I have a live event that I've been doing every month for eight years, and I really need to. <laughs> it's a good reminder, Amy. Thank you. I really need to do that. <laughs> I'm not doing it yet. There's so much you can do when uh, to repurpose the um, live events, isn't there? You know, all the video recordings from mm-hmm. that, and um, audio recordings, and uh, you know, there's there's loads that you can do to kind of get so much more content out of just out of the live event itself as well, isn't there? That's like a whole other conversation, I suppose. <laughs> it is. But it's a, it's fantastic. I mean, the closer, I mean, real time. I just love the idea. I love the, the immediacy of it. 
you know, I know people who've turned, um, you know, some of the presentations on stage and taken the, like, bits of the audio and created podcast episodes and things like that, which I think is really good after the event, because um, it's actually a good uh, kind of selling, you know, promotional, um, you know, technique for selling the next year's tickets as well. So <laughs> mm-hmm. and this is what happened live on stage last year and, you know, have a listen to this podcast episode, see people doing that, and I actually think it, it's a really good way of sharing that content and trying to convince people that they missed out the year before and to, to come along for the next year. Yeah, it's... it's um it's one of those repurposing your whole premise is brilliant. I love what you're doing here. I love the the niche and the focus, but that's another great example where, you know, they say, um, uh, never waste a conversation by having it in private. If you have a live event that might've seemed public, but the possible reach of that content would be so much greater if you were able to capture it, do a bit of editing, repurpose it. Um, the other thing about live events is that when there's, social media people in the audience who share their favorite quotes, you just got feedback on which of which parts of your presentation resonated the most. It's like a giant focus group for quotes. And um, uh, when you go back and look at the stream and if there was a hashtag, it's easy to find which of the, which people shared, which of your quotes, those are what you should use as the subheads when you go create the written version of that live event. Yeah, exactly. Let the people tell you. Don't work it out for yourself. Just look at what the what you're seeing on social and what people are telling you, and then and then that's it, isn't it? That you don't have to think anymore. <laughs> that's, that's what it. stood out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I am conscious of we're almost on the hour now, Andy. So, um, and I don't want to take up any more of your valuable day today. <laughs> um, but what I've just got one last question, which is mm-hmm. um, somebody who's listening to. Um, today's podcast and they're thinking you know getting lots of ideas on how they need to try and do a little bit more to get found on search and to repurpose their content what would you say would be just a a best practice um, technique to bear in mind when trying to make sure that your content is search friendly well definitely understand spend an hour researching this concept of authority or domain authority, and understand that you know, why some sites rank high for things and other sites don't rank at all. It has so much to do with authority and competition. So, so the short version is don't target a key phrase unless you are in a range of authority the same as the other pages that rank for that phrase. You'll have no chance of ranking if your site is much less authoritative than the other pages that already rank for that phrase. Once you've got that down, you've nailed, you know, 60% of the game. I would uh, then just focus on quality and depth and detail and being thorough and answering every related question and writing relatively long pieces that answer important questions. And then obviously in the end, you know, use the target key phrase. Thanks. That's really, really useful. And and it's completely in line with what we always talk about focus on quality and depth of content because the higher the quality and the more depth, the more repurposing opportunities you'll get from that piece of content. And it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality within it. So um, it all helps with SEO as well, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yep. where can people go to find out more and connect with you, Andy? 
Well, the show notes from this episode will be at content10x.com. <laughs> yeah, they will. <laughs> we should put an illustration up there. Uh, no, I'm uh, probably LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me. It, just search for me. Anyone's welcome to connect with me there. Uh, orbitmedia.com is where I blog, and I only blog every other week, so there's my frequency. It's not that high. Um, the book, I guess, Content Chemistry, probably the book. It has uh, everything I know about content marketing uh, between two covers. It's just been updated for 2018, and uh, it's, we're in the fifth edition. So um, that might be the best way to get it all in one place. Great. Well, I will put the links to everything in the show notes, and I might actually take on the challenge of creating some kind of illustration from this conversation <laughs> as well now that you've said that, because I love <laughs> I love examples of any kind of repurposing. So I think we'll create an illustration from this as well, which I'll yeah, share with you. Yeah, or just the diagram. Yeah, anything yeah. from any post that we've mentioned. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> All right, great. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show, Andy. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Amy. This was great. Thank you. 